Good morning, church. We are grateful to have this opportunity to meet with you again. I want to give a shout out to Crosswinds. They're letting us use one of their rooms to film in. I just felt like every week the same wall wanted to give you something different to look at. Hey, if you're checking us out on Facebook, just a reminder, hit the share link. You can push that out to some of your circle, people that aren't already connected to us. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit the little notification button there. And then every time we upload a video, you'll be notified immediately. And if you'd like to be on our newsletter, uh, if you go to our website at reachcommunitychurch.com, uh, you can scroll down to the bottom, put your email on there, and you can subscribe to our newsletter directly from our website. So guys... We, for the first time in 43 years of my life, I wasn't at church on an Easter Sunday, and I don't know about you, but it was weird not being together, not celebrating the resurrection together. So we just hope that you had a great family experience last weekend with our Easter at home. I heard some great testimonials already of people that interacted with the gospel for the very first time, so we are grateful for that. And so as we continue on, we're, we're going to go back into Luke. And I, I just feel like this morning um, that there's something that I want to share with you that, that may come off. Um, it could cause a little pain if you receive it incorrectly. So I just want to give you a little heads up to receive this for the best or from the right angle. So here's my one thing. Don't spend all your energy in looking clean without being clean. That'll make a little bit more sense as we get into the text that we're looking at this morning. Because you know what? You finally, for most of you, have the time to actually look inside of you. For some of you, it might be the first time in a long time in our very busy lives that you've actually been able to pause, have a little margin in your life so that you can actually process what's going on. Jesus wants to speak today through his word. And I just want to remind you, just like I said a second ago, first, out of Romans 8.1, if you don't have this memorized, I recommend that you have this memorized. It's a great verse when the enemy and your mind is against you for you to quote. Romans 8.1, it says, therefore, there is, th there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, this message isn't one of condemnation. This message is one to remind you that we cannot ignore what's going on inside of us. We cannot ignore our inside. And I do not come today to bring you that condemnation, but the hope that Jesus can cleanse you and free you from living a less than life. God said that Jesus said that I came to give life and give life abundantly. And that's what I want to talk about through the lens of Luke this morning. As we look at and think about what's actually going on inside of us, I want us to take inventory of it. You probably are now at this one moment uh, in time, and this, this is a history changer. They'll be talking about this for the rest of our lives. Where people across the U.S., across the world, were quarantined. 
And some of you are slowing down enough that you actually have the time and ability to look inside and deal with some of the things that you may have been ignoring because there, you know, there's so much stuff going on in our busy life that when we're busy, when we're back to normal, we can ignore these things because we're so busy that we don't have time to. And the t- tension about actually fixing some of the things that are going on inside of us is that here, huh, disclaimer, it isn't easy. It's easier to ignore, but the damage from ignoring it will come regardless. We cannot get away from it. And so what I want to do before we begin is I want to pray that God will soften our hearts. Soften our hearts so that we can hear His loving call that's asking us to allow Him into places where we're not allowing Him right now. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask right now in Jesus' name that You would do in us, that You would soften in us so that we could hear Your words, so that we could hear this woe that You gave to a Pharisee. And we could take inventory of what's actually going on in our life. And if we need you, which we do, that we would be soft enough to respond correctly to your word. So Lord, we just ask right now that you would allow your Holy Spirit in and through the rooms, the the cars, the wherever this is being watched. That you would invade their space. And that they would know that you come to give them life. And life abundantly. So let us peel back some of the stuff that we've been covering up. Some of the things that we've allowed to sit. And let us deal properly with them. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. So I'm going to start a little bit before the text that we're going to be in. We're going to be in 11, Luke 11, but I want to start in 25 and lots of things have kind of gone on before this. But in Luke 20, uh, Luke 10 verses 25, it says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to test him saying, and this is a very famous, if you probably if you've not even been around the Bible very much, you've heard the phrase the Good Samaritan, which is not the topic that we're covering today. But just I want you to see that God's interested in not just hitting the surface level. He's interested in working in something deeper than us. And so you may go, oh, they had lawyers back then. So let me just explain what a lawyer is, because there are part of the population that he's talking to a little bit later in Luke 11. A lawyer in this context is a master of the law, and I mean the biblical law. They're the master of, if you needed understanding in a text, you would go to a lawyer. They knew it, they could tell you it, and so this is who's asking the question. It says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That, you would think, from a lawyer that knows the law, would know completely. He was saying this, of course, to test him. And he said to him, what is written in the law? So Jesus turns it back to him. And he says, how do you read it? Because he knows that he's read it. He knows that he knows it. In verse 27, it says, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, 
and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And the cool story about this is that the lawyer understood that there was still something missing. He felt like there's still something wrong. So he wants to clarify. He wants Jesus to give him an understanding of what it is. So he asked a very pertinent question. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells it in a short version of this. Jesus tells him a story about a good Samaritan, about a person, a Jew that falls on robbers and gets beat up and left for dead. And two religious people walk by him, ignoring him, leaving him there, dying on the side of the road. And this Samaritan, which if you don't understand what a Samaritan is, a Samaritan is a half breed of Jew. It was um, the Jews were told by God not to intermarry with some of these other populations that they moved into. And the Samaritans did what God told them not to. So the Jews did not like them. They did not approve of Samaritans. They were the outcasts. They would have nothing to do with them and their family. And the hero of the story is the Samaritan. Who picks the battered and abused up, takes him into town, puts him up in an inn, uh, applies ointments and applies bandages, pays the shopkeeper to watch over him after he leaves. And Jesus asks the lawyer, who is a good neighbor? And the lawyer said, I guess the one, I suppose the one who stopped and helped. All these things working Back and through inside of what's actually going on. Because this lawyer thought, I'm doing all the right things. I know the word of God. I'm good. And Jesus basically tells him, you're not good. Because you pick and choose of who your neighbor is. You pick and choose who you're nice to, who you love, who you serve. And then right after this, you have this interesting um, conversation that goes on between Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary were friends of Jesus. Also, um, Jesus comes to their house and there's kind of um, lots going on. And Martha is the busy bee getting all the work done. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening and, and enjoying the presence of Jesus. And Martha goes over to Jesus and asks him to tell Mary to get up and help her. And Jesus tells her, no, that she's chosen the better. She's chosen what's more important. And this is partly the conversation that we're getting ready to happen. Getting ready to have. So if you move forward a little bit more into Luke 11, starting in verse 37, I'm going to go through 41. There's all these are woes to the Pharisees and lawyers. These are things that Jesus is basically um, condemning them for the things that they've missed, because these are the ones that should know it. These are the people, the religious leaders of the day that should know they have should have perfected it. They should have been on the same page with Jesus, but they have missed something. Jesus isn't interested in you or a Pharisee or a lawyer presenting themselves as one clean when inwardly that you're not, which is the conversation that we're getting ready to have. So in Luke 11, starting in verse 37, it says, while Jesus was speaking, so Jesus was out doing his thing. He was out sharing the word of God. 
And a Pharisee, this is very reminiscent of the conversation that we had two weeks ago where he went into the Pharisee's house and the, the, the woman of the city came and cleaned his feet. So here's another Pharisee that's asked him to dine with him. And so he, Jesus, went in and reclined at table. So Jesus went in. And of course, this Pharisee, just like the other one, missed the point of honoring Jesus other than the invitation to eat. And the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner, which was a rule set by the church that you wanted to be clean, which is a good thing. We're in a culture right now that you need to wash your hands. Wash your hands. Did you hear me? Wash your hands. And I don't mean like just throw a little water on them. Um, in my house, uh, my youngest has been singing the happy birthday song as she washes her hands so that she makes sure that she washes them, washes them the correct amount of time. So you need to wash your hands. So I'm not saying washing your hands isn't important, but Jesus is setting this Pharisee up for a conversation that he needed to hear. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are filled or full of greed and wickedness. This is the religious leader. This is the, if we want to say it, this is the pastor. This is the one that, that should be getting it right inside and out. And Jesus is telling him to his face that you are cleaning outside, that you're making outside look really good. And let me just tell you, we do this. All of us, me included at times, we put on a good exterior. We get ready for church. We get all of our stuff perfect, get our hair combed. I don't know about you, about you guys, but... Um, no salons or barbershops open your hair, you know, you might have to use some extra, um, you know, stuff to get it right, right? Not me because I cut my own hair, so looking good. But here's the Pharisee that to miss the point that it's not just that, it's not just us looking the part. And this is what I want to tell you. If you've been coming to my church, Reach Community Church, prior to the quarantine, or you've been going to any other church, or you're watching this online, and you're pretending on the outside to be a good Christian, but not on the inside, you've missed the point. This is what Jesus is saying. They have missed the point. They have cleansed the outside. They've made the outside look good. And everyone in their culture would look at them and say, yes. This is what I want to achieve. If I get here, I'm doing great. And Jesus is taking this mark that they've laid and saying, no, they've missed the one thing that matters. In Matthew 23, the parallel version of this in Matthew, Matthew 23, um, 24, it says, you blind guys, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. This was a practice that I, I looked up because maybe I've read this and just hadn't thought this way. But in, in the What's Unclean book, the gnat was the smallest in their area of unclean items and the camel was the largest. And so their practice was this, all of these liquid things that they would drink, they would actually strain it through a cloth so that they wouldn't accidentally, unintentionally, get a gnat in their drink and drink something that was unclean, which would make them unclean. 
So they're going to that length to make sure they stay clean, but they're ignoring what's actually going on inside of them. In verse 4, I mean, verse 40, it says, You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. See, they were doing all the outwardly things. They, they were serving in church. They were giving financially to church. They were doing all the stuff. They were, they were straining out the net. But they were missing this thing. They were missing this thing internally that was literally eroding them. In another uh, book that actually calls them, maybe later on in this, it actually calls them whitewashed tombs. That they looked good on the outside, but they were full of dead bones. And he's saying, don't miss this internal, clean the inside of the cup. I don't know about you, but we have rules in our family that when you eat dinner, it is your responsibility, not mom's or dad's, to clean your plate, to clean your silverware, to clean your cup and put it, rinse it off and put it in the dishwasher. Because we want clean silverware and no one, including my wife, likes dishes in the sink. It, she cannot, she doesn't like it at all. Like, cannot rest with it. We would never go to bed in our house with dishes in our sink that need to be cleaned because we would clean them. My son would go as far as eating off of other people's plate. Now, that's a far stretch. He doesn't really do that. But he would get water bottles. He would get anything he could so it would be the least amount of items that he would have to clean at the end. It's true. He's going to watch this. I'm going to be sitting in the room with him while we watch it together. And it's true, Noah. Because we want to have clean dishes, but a lot of times we don't want to do the work that it takes. And it takes work on our end to not just ignore. See, I'm telling you, what people see isn't as important as what they don't see. Because the truth be known, you may be fooling everyone, including me, but you're not, you're not fooling Jesus. God is aware of what's going on inside of you. He's aware of the secret stuff. He's aware of the malice and the hatred that you may have for your spouse that no one knows, knows about, even your spouse. He's aware that it is literally eating you alive. And Jesus isn't interested in you just looking good on the outside. He wants to get to the inside, because religion says that if you do the right things on the outside, it'll change your inside, which doesn't work. If we were in church together, I would get an amen from that because it doesn't work. The truth is, is what Christianity is, is that Jesus comes in into your life and he changes you from the inside out. Because if he doesn't, then you are not changed. If he doesn't change your heart, he won't change you. Matthew twenty three twenty six, which is the other part of the parallel version, 
in Matthew, he actually calls the Pharisees. It says, you blind Pharisee. First clean the inside, which is the important work of the, of the cup and plate, that the outside may also be clean. Unless you have small children, the dirtiest part of your bowl or cup is going to be the inside, right? I mean, we got some messy people in our family and it does get on the outside. So you do have to clean the, in, the outside, but the majority of the work is on the inside. True. And so what I want to do as we round this out is I want to give you some, some, some tips. One thing I just, I believe, I believe this morning... I believe that the Holy Spirit wants you to acknowledge what's going on in the inside. You know that if you're ignoring it, it is a cancer that is consuming you from the inside out. And it will, regardless of how well you're hiding it right now, it will work its way out. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks out of what's going on in here. It will work its way out. You cannot fight against it without allowing the Holy Spirit to cleanse it. And so I want to talk about just a few things. I want to give you a few more scriptures. And I want to encourage you to do something potentially drastic this week. Really two things. So the first text I want to read is out of Galatians 5, verse 1, and then verses 7 through 9. It's a section that Paul is dealing with a people um, that are coming to Jesus. They're Gentiles. They're, they're coming to obedience, loving, serving Jesus. And the Jewish culture is trying to convince them that they have to do something outwardly, which is be circumcised, to be right with God. And Paul wants to deal with that, and that's part of this. In verse 1 of chapter 5 of Galatians, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. That's the work. You cannot set yourself free. I cannot set you free. Christ, through the work and power of the Holy Spirit, can set you free. So after that freedom comes, it says, Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The truth is that following Jesus is a journey that you'll be on for the rest of your life. If you said a prayer 20 years ago and you've done nothing to follow Jesus since then, I would say you probably aren't following Jesus. Because following Jesus takes an active pursuit of standing firm. Because you know what happens the day after you get saved? The day after you say yes to Jesus? Sin doesn't depart from you. The desire for sin doesn't necessarily depart from you. Maybe get a little easier. The Holy Spirit has a way of just bringing joy and peace that will curb that. But it's still there. And he's saying, don't submit against the yoke of slavery that we so easily do. And I'm telling you, in our culture today, it is so easy to slip back in. Slip back in into watching, listening, saying, doing things that we know we're not supposed to do. But we feel like, oh, it's not that bad. The issue is not that bad it will become bad because our Sin nature will never be satisfied with just a little bit. Never. 
And then skipping forward to verse 7, it says, you were running well. And this is he's telling people, like, you were doing great. You were following, you were running after Jesus. Who has, who has hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. He's saying, like, stop worrying about what's going on outside of your body if you're ignoring what's going on inside. So all of this conversation isn't just going, it's an internal thing, because it's both. But if it doesn't start on the inside, you'll never make it to fixing the outside. Because in verse 9, there's a truth nugget here for you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little, just a little bit of leaven. And we don't really know leaven. I mean, unless you're a bread maker, you're like, what? Hmm, leaven? I know I've read it in the Bible. It's the thing that makes the bread grow. Unleavened bread is flat. All of the bread that we get that's sliced from the deli has leaven, leaven in it. And, and the truth that he's saying is just a little bit will work its way whole way in. So if you're sitting here, uh, sitting here right now in your house, in your room, watching this wherever you're watching it, and you're just thinking, oh, it's, just, it's not that bad. This, this, this sin, this, this thing that I'm dealing with is not that bad. And I can manage it. You can't. You won't. Because left, in my opinion, left to our own desires and will. Without the encouragement and love from other believers. Without the accountability from other believers. It's going to be a long, hard way to walking in obedience. But the joy of knowing and loving and having others that know and love you is awesome. And I'm, I just want to give a shout out. I, I'm grateful that Chris Vernon and Crosswinds is allowing me to use their space. This is a great well, way. Whoever painted this, you did a great job. But I just want to tell you, without that person in my life who is Chris Vernon, who I can go to, that I can get encouraged by, that I, I can tell all those things that I just need to get off of my chest to have someone that I know and can trust and love and, and give these things to, which we're going to talk about in Scripture in just a second. There's a freedom in just having relationships like that. And amen that we live in a community and a culture that two pastors in the same city can have that kind of relationship. Love you, Chris. And as God, I'm not going to cry. Our freedom is from Christ, not our works. And so understanding that if the Holy Spirit in this isn't in it, we can't do anything else. If we can't, if the Holy Spirit isn't, if we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to come and interact with us, if we're not submitting and surrendering to the Holy Spirit, then we're not going to be able to do what we should do. Literally. I, um, in Ezekiel, I think it is, it talks about uh, that, that, it, we, that the people would be changed when they, they're sprinkled by the Holy Spirit and, and, and God would literally remove their heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh so that they can. And that's the truth. If God doesn't change your heart, you cannot. But if God has, let me just tell you, Jesus and the Holy Spirit Combined, and not because he needs it, but we need it. God can do all these things solo, but we, we need this culture and community. We were created to be in a community. In 1 John chapter 1, 
verse 9 through 10. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Confessing and repenting and walking in freedom is a part of this process. We cannot clean the inside of that, inside of the cup without the Holy Spirit. So one, my one thing, that my, one of the two things that I'm telling you to do is that if you're not connected to Jesus, we'll work on that in just a second. But if you are, you need in, to need, you need to know that you are dependent on the Holy Spirit. You need to ask the Holy Spirit for help because without His help, we're hopeless. Outside of that, we need to confess our sins to God through the Holy Spirit. And we need to confess our sins to one another. I encourage you to have someone trusted in your life that as you're reflecting on this, as you're thinking about, man, I, I just know, I just know right now the Holy Spirit is working in and through some people sitting in their house. And the Holy Spirit is saying that that's you. You've done a good job looking the part. It's time to allow me to help you be the part. It's time for you to allow the Holy Spirit and other people into your life so that you can clean the inside of that cup. Proverbs 28.13 says, Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. In your house right now may not be the perfect time. But the time needs to come really soon that you have an honest conversation with God. That you acknowledge what's actually going. There's a power when you confess. It's one thing. I, I know I've said already in this, this message that he already knows there's a power when you use your words to acknowledge what's actually going on. This is what's going on. And confessing that to Jesus. This is where I need help. Confess it right now if you can. If you need to pause this for a minute and just cry out to God, do that. You'll have another opportunity at the end. But I want you to know that if you ignore What's going on inside of here? You'll never have the peace and joy that God promises you. He wants to come in and fix that. And that doesn't mean he fixes all of the circumstances in the, in the world that's going around you. You're probably still going to be quarantined in your house for a little bit longer. We're probably still going to be separated for a few more weeks. Hopefully not. But the truth is that if you don't allow the Holy Spirit, and invite other people into it, you're going to live in this less than life, which is not what God came to the cross for. It is not what Jesus rose from the dead from. 
Romans says that that the same power that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. If you have said yes to Jesus, that power that rose him from the dead can bring life to your mortal bodies now. Matthew Henry, which is a commentary writer, wrote this, talking about this passage. External motives and inducements may keep the outside clean, while the inside is filthy. But if renewing a sanctifying grace can make clean the inside, that will have an influence on the outside. For the commanding principle is within. If the heart be well kept, all is well. For out of it are the issues of life. The eruptions will vanish, will vanish, of course. If we allow God to interact with what's going on inside, we allow him to clean the cup. And this is a process that will go on the rest of your life. Look, it, it just and, I, and I, this is a poor example, and I, I'm sorry to say this, but like hopefully you have running water and you're showering during this stay at home because people at your house want you to smell fresh. Why would we think that our body doesn't need cleaned? You you wouldn't stop bathing, hopefully. But we forget the inside because it's not a physical thing to do. It's a connection to the living God. And I'm just encouraging you this morning or whenever you're watching this video. To have an honest inventory with yourself and with the Holy Spirit. Once you've completed step one, take it to the next level. And this is potentially the one that might be a little bit more scary. Is to find somebody in your community and just say, hey, I listened to the message from the pastor this weekend. and I've been ignoring the inside of my cup and I, I need a little help. Can you pray with me? Can you keep me accountable? Here's what's actually going on. Tell them. Because there's a power when you acknowledge to someone else what's going on inside of you. There's a freedom that comes from that. And so what's your next step? If you don't know Jesus, and I, I cannot assume everyone that's tuned into this video and has made it this far is surrendered to a life with Christ. So what does that look like? If you're here, if you're not, you're not here. If you're where you're at and you're thinking, I want that, what does it mean? And this is the short of what it means. It means that Jesus, the, 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 the holiday that we celebrated last weekend, is that Jesus was a, a man that entered our world through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a virgin, was born, lived his life sinlessly. And he gave himself as a payment to the debt that you've incurred because of the sin that you've entered into. And he went to the cross and he died. He shed his blood for you. And he proved that he had the capacity to forgive sin and be that once and for all sacrifice by coming out of the tomb. And he right now is sitting beside his father, 
interceding for his future and present children. So if you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus, you've got to acknowledge your need for him. You've got to go, God, I want to follow you. Jesus said, come and follow me. The way you follow him is reading his word because you have to know where he's going. You have to understand how to follow. And his word is a great way to start and you, you can pray right now at the end of this tape and just say, Jesus, I need you. I want to surrender my life to you. And you can do it right now, sitting in your house. And say, I'm yours. Will you please come and guide me into the life that you've called me now as your child to live? And then after that, connect to a family. If, you, if you're connected to us already, then reach out to me. Uh, email is heath at reachcommunitychurch.com. Email me. Tell me what just happened today. And I would love to help you along the journey. Give you resources. Plug you in to other people. Plug you into community groups and all the other life that will come back at some point to normal. We'd love to hear your story if you've made a commitment to follow Jesus. For the rest of you that are sitting there and you, you're following, you love Jesus, you're for Jesus. But if you're going to be completely honest, the majority of your work and effort has been working on this exterior of what people see, mostly because you're afraid of what they'll think. And if you've been, if the Holy Spirit has pinpointed something in your life that you're going, I need this. Fixed. Confess it. Repent it. And invite somebody into your life to help you walk it out. So let's pray. Dearly Father, I am grateful that you have been merciful to me over the years. That you have graciously allowed me to not only be moved and directed by the Holy Spirit, loved on and encouraged by you, but you've brought other people into my life. So many that I cannot even list them all that have encouraged me at the appropriate time. And Lord, I want to pray over those that have made a decision for Christ that you, a decision for you that you would, that you would pour out your mercies, that you would show them your goodness, that you would lead them into life. And for the rest of us that are here right now, we just need you. We know that there's something in us that we need to be cleaned. I pray that as they confess and repent, grace and mercy and peace and just a a joy would return back to them. Lord, I, I say again, uh, the Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we declare that. We, we, we not only tell ourselves that, but we thank you for that being the case, for the work of your Son on the cross. And so, Lord, help us walk this out this week. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church... We are excited that we still have a way to worship with you. I pray that your life and uh, what God is doing in you is encouraging. Um, a couple of just pointers. Stay connected. If you're not already connected, reach out to us. Make comments in the videos. Uh, let us know how we can help and serve you. 
And until we meet or see each other again, we love you. Have a great week.